basically, Rail Natter is a very it's a format that is a horrid hybrid of everything that I enjoy of other people's podcasts. Um, but also with my own sort of slightly shonky, slightly like obsessed with nice. I do like nice graphics, but then you can't make the thing look too nice because then people expect it to be high quality, which is absolutely <laughs> not what <laughs> what real matter is. Oh, everyone, uh, well, good evening, everyone. Uh, it is evening. It's evening on a Wednesday in the future because this is a pre-record. Um, Alice is here. Alice, Alice Caldwell Kelly is here. Famous Hello. podcaster. Hi, hi, Alice. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get right into it because we have a lot of watches to talk about. Um, <laughs> uh, oh my goodness! Um, uh, but so yeah, um, we, indeed, that is that's the whole point of this evening. We're going to be talking about uh, watches. This nice little yeah. ad, nice little advert here that you sent through. Railway the, watches, yes. railway watches, and why are these two uh, folks? Why are they comparing watches? Is this are they intending to share <laughs> watches or buy them? Oh, we'll get we will get mm. to why in the future. Um, yeah, without further ado, the, the news is I, I'm I'm trialing a new thing where the news happens after the intro credits. So uh, without further ado, I know right. I've I've no idea what I'm doing. Without further ado, <laughs> everyone, welcome to tonight's Rail Natter. As the in city 225 fades away, I realized I didn't change the text of the intro credits, so I'll have to edit that in anyway in the future. It was, st it was still a beautiful intro, and <laughs> I, I, I'm taking that if this if you forgot to change it, that means I'm on episode 123, the taking of episode 123 exactly. by me. You and are my special in, interest. Yes, you are in episode 123, which I just thought was quite nice. I, I, it was pure, yes. un, entirely unplanned, but it's quite nice. Uh, episode one, two, three. Welcome, Alice. Um, and indeed, uh, let's let's first of all let's get our faces up, because <laughs> Alice, hi. Oh, you have a background. Where are you? Are, are you in a are you this in a, is, a workshop? Like this is purely like uh, Skype trying to compensate for my decision <laughs> to wear a blue shirt in front of a blue background. <laughs> uh, so I look forward to lots of sort of like dodgy edges around my shoulders. You're you're in a um, wee work in Glasgow there. Um, that's right. Yes. Yep. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> Whereas I, I'm decidedly pink because it's about thirty degrees in this room. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it, it's not. It's it's warm everywhere. Is the thing like Glasgow? We're we're sort of spared the worst of it. It's only thirty degrees here. But the thing is that like Glaswegians like taking their shirts off and sort of broiling <laughs> themselves when it gets above. 14 say yeah yeah it's tap zaf weather above. it is truly I, I grew up in, in i grew up in the northeast of scotland which is like a lot of glaswegians were sent to the northeast of scotland during like when yeah, it's punishment built and stuff yeah it's punishment exactly <laughs> and and there is a, a keenness to, to for taps aft above about 12 or 13 degrees 14 degrees mm -hmm. certainly yeah um so yeah that's that's good fun yeah i was in glasgow a few weekends and in, in fact dean and i both looked at each other when we were like we have to escape england for the jubilee and both of us without even hesitating said glasgow and so we went the to glasgow. one city the one city that had nothing planned <laughs> for the jubilee uh, i remember one of the scottish tory leadership uh, sort of posted on twitter about how disgraceful this was and of course got ratioed off of this yeah, but yes. like goodbye you know, yeah. it's, it, it's the only city that did, did 
absolutely nothing. Didn't give a fuck about the Queen. Can I say fuck on your show? Do oh you yeah, mind? You can, yeah. This this is this is a kids show, but it allows swearing. Uh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm, it's it, fine. Bleep I, me. It's yeah, fine. no, I, I'll I'll get on the bleeps. Yeah, that's it. Um. Oh, do you have? Can you power? Oh no, it's just through Skype, isn't it? So you don't have the power of the of the drops through. through... I think I think I do. I, I can root drops through. I can definitely bleep myself. Uh, I don't know what what's something bleepable. Uh, I think all of the leadership contestants for the Tory leadership oh, yeah. election. Sh- there we go. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, I need to. I need to then in post add a little black box over the top of your mouth just to just. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Like, just like blur it or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Glasgow was great. We saw two uh, Union flags. One of them was like slightly melted mm. on a cake. The other was attached to a T-shirt of a fat Yorkshireman who was in Glasgow ah, for some reason. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that was a, a strong energy. Glasgow was exactly the right place to be. And the reason, <laughs> and, and, and in Glasgow, it was kind of warm in the sense that it was quite cold, but the sun was out. Everyone's mm-hmm. outside. We were in Finiston, and just everyone was outside. Not even getting drunk particularly, but just having a nice time. Glasgow oh, was yeah. great, actually. Loved yeah, as, as soon as you got into the West End during that kind of weather, like it was, I don't know, sort of hipster paradise, because Glasgow lives, in sort of style terms, somewhere between 15 and 60 years behind the rest of the UK, <laughs> yeah, particularly yeah. London. Um, and so, so uh, you know, I, I went for a walk in uh, in Ashton Lanes and it looked like Shoreditch was the thing. And it was it was so, so strange because it was like, wait a second, this cafe is saying that like good doggos are welcome. This woman is <laughs> yeah, driving yeah, yeah. a Citroen 2CV with the top down. It's, <laughs> you, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm experiencing things that I thought everyone had outgrown, but seemingly not. It's glorious. It is a glorious. It's perfect. It's a great city. Place. Yeah, it is a great city. Lots of love for Glasgow. Um, oh, yeah. Alice, um, I mean, firstly, before we before we get get stuck into the news, um, thanks for joining us. Um, I, My pleasure. It's, it's uh, so when it's a bit firstly, this dynamic is weird because I have the pleasure hmm. of being a guest on multiple of your um, of your podcasts that you're sure. On. Yeah, uh, two out of three, I think. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. Uh, only only kill James Bond that I've that I've not been on. Um, yeah, I uh, keep threatening you to do um, oh, yeah. under, under Siege Two, the one where Steven Seagal <laughs> is on a train that gets taken over by terrorists. I've so, I've resisted watching it. I've never seen it. I've resisted watching it because I'll watch it like fresh. Like if, if if ever it happens, I'll watch it fresh before. And uh, yeah, but I like having like glancedly googled it to find out where I could possibly watch it. Mm-hmm. I, I saw lots of things that said it's not great. So I'm really looking it's, forward to it. It's it's really not. Yeah. Uh, so so e- either that or like the taking of Pelham one two three or both something something train related something something train related yeah yeah exactly um so right let us let us uh, continue with adventures by which I mean the news um firstly striking I mean we were talking about strikes last time we were on a podcast together. Um, yeah, that's and, true. And uh, it was the Trash Future uh, uh, plug for that. Go listen to that episode. It was, it's it's mm-hmm. a free one. You can go and you can go and uh, listen to it. And um, strike more strikes are happening. So we've got the RMT are striking on the twenty seventh of this mm-hmm. month. Uh, the the uh, Aslef are doing two days of strikes. I think. Um, wow. Even earlier than that. So that's three days of strikes. One of those coincides with like the day before the Commonwealth Games. So that's going to be uh, fun. I I love uh, a strike action that. Even though it may not be intended to be, appears spiteful. Genuinely, <laughs> I do. That's that's not sarcasm. I, I I love making things difficult for people. That's what they're for. That's the whole point. Exactly. Um, it's amazing how many people are like it's incredibly disruptive. It's like yes, yes, yes. Correct. It is. Uh, <laughs> pay 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 the workers. Um, I I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. That Scott Rail finally gave their their employees the price the um uh, the wage rise that they wanted they so because it's quite a complicated picture of strikes at the moment like it's sure it's, so, so scott rail has had like 
uh, problem like no Sunday working and, and restricted like uh, oh yeah all, and, and those months, have been months those have months. been some great strikes too we've we've had um you can get a train to the concert but you can't get a train yeah. back <laughs> we've got a you can get a train back from the football but you have to leave at half time yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah just tremendous work all around oh man it's yeah it's um. It's it's quite remarkable how much uh, the and it's also like just no one has talked about the fact that there have been absolutely massive disruptive strikes in Scotland for ages. No one just no one south of the border is talking about it's, it. It's 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 weird. We're like a news vacuum up here. We just sort of like disappear into the ether. We're like you know independent in in, in spirit already in yeah. the sense that no one really is paying attention. Yeah, no no one really is. So and then and then my union, the TSSA, sadly mm. not me because I'm not I don't work for Network Rail, but my union has also balloted uh, and success. You know, pretty strong support for strikes. Apart from a couple of like, it's because of laws that Thatcher did, and also weren't und mm. more in the New Labour years. Striking is really complicated now. Like the sure. rules to make strikes happen are incredibly complicated. It's a lot of very sort of petty provisions, like you know, the exactly. three men and a dog only on a picket line, only on the second Tuesday of every third month, uh, accepting day daylight savings time, sort of thing. Uh, Literally, yeah, and and so that, that there's a weird bit like some parts of the TSSA aren't going to be striking, but most of the TSSA is going to be striking within Network Rail. So the TSSA is generally like crudely, it's like white collar, whereas Aslef is drivers and RMT is like crudely blue collar. It's not quite like that, but that's kind sure. of roughly how it fits. Th these days, it's all like railway branded white collar anyway. Yeah, exactly right. We all have the railway, we all have the Network Rail branded uh, Gilets. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I do have a BR branded. Oh, it's over. Wait, it's over here. You'll like this, Alice. Oh, oh, oh. So when I go to like non-day job events where I need a high vis, I wear this. And that, is, that is a BR. A, a, it's proper BR as well. This is not like fake one that I've made. This is wow. it's so heavy and and the pockets are weird. It's great. Anyway, they they, they really made stuff. To I've seen the sort of like really really sort of like small waistcoats. Oh yeah, that, that <laughs> BR made. I yeah, love those like, things. They look like an item of sex wear because it's they're sort like, of like, so like high up. half sports bra, half <laughs> workwear. It's it's very strange. It, it sort of terminates down the midriff. It's like a cropped safety vest. There's an image that the we've gone off on one horrendously, but the such is life. Well, there's an image. The thing we, we're the two interrupters that's what happens true. in a podcast right. when the two interrupters are left to their own devices there's, there's an image chaos yeah there's an image that i absolutely love from like a, 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 a remodeling in the approaches to waterloo and there is a guy an absolute mm. beefcake uh wearing well basically the only thing he is wearing is like a little one of those little pinny high vises but wrapped around he, his midriff and you nothing used else. to be able to get naked at work yeah. on any in any kind of sort of manual labor environment and and we lost that as a country because of wokeness yeah the, the woke uh, liberal metropolitan elite have stopped the beefcake from being able to work yeah. in a third rail area with i i hasten to it, add live third rail everywhere just it, it, wearing it, local shorts it reminds me, I, there's this one documentary about Australian, um, like, sort of shunting yard employees. And those guys always, like, fully, this is the 70s, um, yeah. hair down to, like, middle of the back level, um, wearing, like, boots and, if you're lucky, shorts, and yeah. basically <laughs> yeah. nothing else, just hopping on and off of, like, moving freight cars all day. Oh, man. Um, yeah, the days when just like... tactical Y fronts were acceptable workwear. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely remarkable. Yeah, good stuff. So uh, sadly, none of that on the strikes. Uh, no, we're not going to be getting no. Mick Lynch into his tighty whities on, on the strike because we all have to wear, in this heat, we all have to wear full oranges. Anyway, oh. um, it is on strike time. Uh, and it's yeah. and, and as, as was discussed, and it's continued to be discussed in, in Trash Future, which everyone, it, 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 very useful to keep on top of things, by the way. It's good to listen. Anyway, this is escalating because we've had, you know, BA was going to strike, but actually the threat of a strike seemed to get them what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good. That's that's the point of strikes. They, they, the, sure. the, the strike is a threat before it even happens. You know, it's the, the, the strike itself is often not necessary. If you threaten the strike action, that that hope usually is enough to make things change. Um, but you know, the, the postal workers, um, you know, it, it's spreading. Uh, it's spreading. And, and as we said before, the teachers and health workers are also like, I kind of sick of this shit. It's time Absolutely. to strike. So, um, everyone, get out there get striking um, yeah, the wind whispers the words general strike and yeah, i just go yeah yeah that would be i mean again legally i don't i think i think like martial law happens if a general but i, I would I, love it. it'd be great yeah we, we would get into some sort of interesting states of exception in terms yeah. of the legality of these things which is yeah let's well yeah, i mean if, if cross like, that bridge when we get to it. yeah exactly if 40 percent of workers decided we were just going to go outside and not do our job um on mass there's only so much that anyone can do about there's there's been a sort of interesting trend in terms of uh what might loosely be called military aid to the civil power right where like say your health trust can't get its ambulances through its a and e's fast enough so it, it like asks the army for help and they you know deploy some logisticians or whatever mm. um so much of, of British politics is running stuff down until the point where it collapses and then getting the army to do it. Yeah. The army doesn't do it that well either. Because um, yeah, they've used their ambulance. That's happened before with ambulances. But it happened, yep. I think, the, one of the first strikes, or one of the big strikes that I remember was when the the fire brigade... The, the, sure, the, the green goddesses, used, yeah. And the, exactly, yeah, the green goddesses were out. And it's like, those don't look capable of putting out a, you know, like putting out a, a curry, let alone a... Oh, no, yeah. absolutely not. Because, well, and this is this is the really funny thing is that you're using the military and the army specifically to try and like, you know, plaster over these gaps in your workforce, and you're also defunding yeah. them. <laughs> oh man, yeah, defunding, literally defunding the police is a policy yeah. of this so, right wing government. And, and absolutely. So, 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 so when some corporal from the Royal Logistic Corps gets to drive the trains. It's going to be great. Don't worry about it. That he'll have had loads of practice. Loads, uh, and lots of practice. Everything's going to be really safe. Yeah, I wonder if they'll test them for color blindness. Because uh, yeah, I, yeah, I have, have to do one of those green. like yeah. l- really long like psychometric tests they make you do. Where you like tell a load of signals apart from each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it. Um, so uh, strikes are on. Uh, in other news, um, uh, I, the news is so much less fun when there isn't a. It's it's true. <laughs> I, yeah. I I can I can gin that up for you. Oh, yeah, I think. Let, me, uh, let me see if I. Can... Yeah, I literally do. Nice, see? very good. Um, Shap, this is funny because so Grant Shap's uh, rail natter is special boy. It's not mm-hmm. Matt, Han- Matt Hancock. He doesn't do parkour. He's not, uh... You'll have every podcast is assigned a special pet Tory. <laughs> yeah, that's it, exactly. Yeah, um, Grant Schatz may not do parkour. He may not have a viable love life, um, but he is capable <laughs> he may of have bringing joy. A series of different identities, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is same. You know, fair he enough. Has, he does have some form of of dysphoria. Um, that's but true. It's, yeah. But it's just yeah, a variety <laughs> of names. Weirdly though, there was a weird Grant Schatz moment where. 
This is before he uh, had to collapse, uh, wheezing out of the Tory yeah. leadership camp. For, for, for the he, two seconds he was in, he was briefly he he got woke. He was on yeah, he, he was woke. on the right side of, yeah. of trans rights because he was the pretty much the only candidate to go. Uh, why are we talking about yeah, this? This isn't a, this isn't even remotely important, and it's it's yeah. depressing that his the thing he actually said wasn't particularly like supportive. It was, it was just lukewarm. It was just, it was just it was, why it was like, are we doing a culture yeah, war? Which is which is might as well be you know hard Marxist for for the sure. state for the rhetoric that's coming out of everyone else. It's pretty depressing. So here we are, yeah. little, little little plus one for 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 little Grant Shapps there. Um, on the on the opposite hand, um. He came out with an absolute corker on the news uh, kind of yesterday, which was, mm. or was it yesterday, the day before? He he was being interviewed and he said that uh, he doesn't think that um, East-West Rail should, which is a line being constructed, uh, partly partly finished, lots of it still not finished or even planned properly yet, between mm -hmm. Oxford and Cambridge, right? It's kind of reinstating sure. a line between Oxford and Cambridge, which is a reasonably sensible thing to do because most of the time you have to go into London to do that journey. So blah, 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 fine, good idea. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. A project which he has signed off on, incidentally, um, he came on the news saying that he, uh, on LBC, saying that he thinks it should be cancelled. It's like, mate, you... You you signed you signed off on this. It's uh, anti Oxbridge action. We've got to keep yeah. <laughs> we've got to keep everyone who's at uh, an Oxford or a Cambridge College quarantined to those cities. Um, and you know if they want to go between them, they can have to like you know have a little detour through the capital. Which was also what was also funny was the and and you know it, it's it's fun to make fun of people who uh, garble their words for sure. Um, but mm. particularly when it's Grant Shapps, which was that he said it would potentially save three million pounds. Which is uh, no, that's about um, that. That's that's like a quarter of a mile of railway. No, I think he might have meant three billion, but he said three million, and it was very funny because uh, he should be more on top of this stuff. Mm. Anyway, poor old Grant Shapps. Let's put let's put uh, the well. news to one side uh, and talk about time. There we go. <laughs> 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 yeah what, what what is what is time why do you need to know what time it is yeah. uh why why is that any of your business For most of human history people got around just fine having like a vague idea of like ah, oh, it's you know the sun's about that high it's probably fine yeah um leave me alone i don't like i'm finished i i don't want to know when then when a thing might happen i'm just yeah. living in the moment you know time has ruined everything arguably um, that's true yeah, and time means I've heard the this argument exist. made. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. As as leftists, we should you know abolish all forms of measurement, including <laughs> yeah. time. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it would make it would make my life quite difficult as a design engineer to not have the time <laughs> variable in all of my design calculations. That, that you could also you be don't quite need fun. it. You don't need it. Just design for eternity. It's fine. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So time. Well, um, well, there are a variety of ways we can answer the question. Like, uh, firstly, go and read David Rooney's book about time. It's very good. Um, and, and it's probably quite a good companion piece to this episode but sure. more broadly um here's a here's a poster um which i think is well you sent me this which is yeah. it's a very very nice image to kind of explain time uh, a bit because yeah. time results from the fact that well a variety of things but one of them is that we're on a strange rock that's the shape of a satsuma that's right. spinning around right <laughs> yeah and that sort of you need to think about longitude your longitude how far sort of east or west you are broadly um that affects what time it is. It affects your sort of relative position to the, the sun in the sky. Um, and so that's that's why you have different times. And there weren't formal time zones for a long time. Um, everywhere just sort of had local time, which is established by, you know, where's the sun? Yeah. Um, but this, this proves to be a problem for any number of reasons, not least you want to, like, 
organize work, you're developing sort of systems of factories. But also, if you're the United States, you have, um, you know, stolen, conquered, been handed, bought a huge country, um, which has sort of wild divergence in longitude. Um, yeah, it's it, like a lot of the planet. Um, it's an entire. I mean, it's a country. It's an entire continent that they that 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 uh, our forebears decided to go and uh, shoot people to steal. Um, sure. And yeah, and and that's a problem. It's a problem. It is. You, you can solve this by fiat, right? You can say there is one time, uh, and therefore you know the, the time that it is in, say, New York, also applies in San Francisco. And at San Francisco, the sun rises at. 11 o'clock at night right um it's just that people don't like that very much what people like is having uh having time zones and so this is this is sort of downstream of the formalization of greenwich mean time uh this sort of like international project um i think it's actually it's coordinated universal time uh where you you set um a, a sort of a universal time zone where longitude zero runs through the royal observatory in greenwich and then you go in like hour increments based on longitude around the globe and you get like time zones which we know and love yeah and and, and you can go it's quite fun to go to the to that greenwich place uh you can hmm. sort of jump either side of the of the, the, the dotted line as it were sure. there's also the big time ball that falls down at, 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 at the striking of the clock there's some there's some there's some fun stuff there and there's a bunch of yeah. like standard units of dimension of, of distance as well that are that, you, that are completely they're brass and really worn down the uh, unsorted things then it's quite interesting yeah. the, the the time ball in itself is interesting because that's a naval signal mm. and that's that's going to get us to a sort of background about about time and about clocks uh, um, yes Ooh, nice nice segue so yeah. time so we kind of have a rough idea of what time is uh mm -hmm. uh so first of all before we get to the the, the naval stuff we're going to jump in, in the kind of relative to, to time to different time we're going to jump mm. to the the clock that clock in yeah, bristol clock lots of people are famous are kind of familiar with uh here it is this this clock the clock what everyone basically knows about um, it's got too many hands it has too many hands you can see there's there's a there's a, there's, a, there's a little hand here I'm just john maddening my way through this there's a slightly bigger hand here and then there's one, there's a, there's a third hand here that someone's uh, cranked the transparency up on a bit. Um, yeah, and very strange. Yeah, very strange. But what, why, why are there these three hands? What's going on? Well, Greenwich, Greenwich time was not something that was universal. It was not something that was like readily or immediately adopted. And so a lot of towns stuck to their local time, which is in the UK different by a matter of minutes. Uh, so your Bristol time is, I think it's like, five minutes behind uh i could be wrong about this um yeah it's, it's about that i mean this this looks yeah what is this five five to seven maybe it's not many so. it's really not many is it yeah um, l l looking at a clock with two hands on it and not being able to tell how far apart these two things are is very much sort of my level <laughs> <of competency laughs> um, but yeah so it, it could be like uh, uh, as far down to like 30 seconds either mm. way um yeah but, those people those people in like uh in like kingston who are just uh just absolutely loving it on that slight like slightly annoying time <laughs> difference yeah 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 for sure uh but people people got very used to their local time and the thing that you know prompted the adoption of greenwich mean time well i mean ultimately it was parliament like it is the law that yeah. um <laughs> there is there is like one time zone uh but i would love someone to try and break that law 
I like I the think, idea of like, think, yeah, <laughs> like no, this is the time. Damn it, I've set my watch to this. Just and like attempting, just like shouting at the police and saying, "It's this time, you bastards!" Yeah, yeah. Bre- breaking into the sort of the atomic clock at Greenwich and <laughs> yeah. nudging the atoms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but so uh, what, what? What ends up standardizing time is two things broadly: is factories and the railways. Um, and we know that sort of early railways, early passenger railways, sort of sort of indifferent approach to time a lot of timetables for passengers are sort of advisory rather than binding i guess you would say yeah um but you know it, it, it's in a railway's interest the railway that, ocu- that sort of operates across the united kingdom to have one time so that you don't have to adjust it between places and so for a while these two things coexisted and that's what this clock is it's a clock that displays railway time bristol time uh, there it is, um, yeah. Railway time, railway time, and then the Bristol time, which is, I presume, the one that's uh, that someone has t- cranked the transparency up on. Uh, it's it's interesting because there's there's a, there's a lot of the history behind this change and and the standardisation of time in the UK is kind of a bit muddled because a lot of people say it was because <clears> of the railways and but the picture is much more complicated. As you say, there are a lot of different factors at play. Um, sure. it pro- it's probably more accurate to say, well, capital is why time got standardised, right? It's like yes. It, yeah, it, we're before the era of Fordism, where you're trying to like improve individual efficiency. But it, you know, at a certain point, you need things to calculate like shift work um, yeah. or you know office hours, um, rather than you need it for sort of more personal reasons. And and that's sort of as large a driver of it as anything else. But Absolutely. the railways have their part too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's certainly from a re- an operational perspective. Uh, good God, timetabling is complicated enough. I, 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 can you imagine doing it where you have to also account for the fact that it's seven or whatever minutes to, to Bristol? And oh man, I think the thing- only yeah. way you could do it is is like much the same way as this is done here, which is that you just have sort of a, a separate railway time system, and then you also work on like incidentally the local time is this yeah, yeah. Oh, oh by the way your train also happens locally to be leaving at this time which is yeah uh, you, exactly you've missed it like, uh, like the sort of fun fact that a pilot will give you when you're like, getting <laughs> yeah, up to the plane like local time is, is whatever exactly so um oh my god we are we're hammering through by which i mean not hammering through at all uh given how uh, many minutes we've been uh, recording for that's fine the harrison so, longitude clock so we're, we're going to go back to naval things again because yes um, how, how did this stuff arise how did we how do we systematize uh longitude in the first place and the answer is you know if if sort of the development of time domestically has to do with capital uh the development of time internationally has to do with capital sort of kissing cousin war yeah Um, (laughs) murdering people yeah on that scale yes this is this is a marine chronometer um and this is this is designed to be a very very accurate clock more accurate than than any that had been built before um that will enable you to derive your longitude um you, you sort of instead of using your longitude to work out what time you are you're you're working the other way and you're deciding okay well i have this clock it is showing this time therefore i am at this longitude and you use it to navigate um and this this particular example does not quite work right but this was a huge like extremely high priority for the british government yeah, for a long time, time. They, they needed to know where their ships were so that they could shoot yes. other people's ships and or just you know, innocent locals. Um, just so. 
it, it uh, shaves time I mean, this... off of journeys too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. More accuracy, more mm-hmm. yeah, because also trade, all all of the the, the machinations, the thing, you know, the the various nasty pseudo government companies that are running trade for for the the, the, the kind of the empire. This oh, thing yeah. is like remarkably fragile looking. Like it looks <laughs> like if you sneezed at it, it would cease functioning. And you have to put this on a on a like a T clipper. You have to put this on a sailing <laughs> ship. Yeah. Um, but so famous I, for not being flat. <laughs> yeah, this is this is um, something that the British government uh, had had tried to incentivize. They had a longitude prize where if you could if you could create a clock that would like allow you to determine your longitude within one degree or within uh, half a degree, you would receive sort of different amounts of like a huge fortune at those times. And and this guy Harrison, he was the first one to do it. He he. He claimed his prize. Um, he wasn't really the first to invent a longitude clock or even a practical one, but this is the one that was successfully adopted. A lot of other countries were very complacent about this this sort of thing, and so there was a you know a period of decades where um, British navigators had access to uh, much more exact fixes of their longitude, and no one else did. Um, and this is tremendously useful if you're going to do colonialism, if you're going to do war, if you're going to do oceans being battlefields. It helps a lot to be able to navigate, and so, and and this so that so that was the one that was kind of less successful. This, I believe, mm. and, and the Royal Greenwich Museums can shout at me if I've got this wrong. I believe this is the one that this is like one of the ones that ended up being much more accurate, um, yeah, and and were and and like standing the test because the previous one, as you say, wasn't quite perfect. Um, no, this it, it took quite a few iterations to perfect uh, to perfect it. But this is an example, and this looks suspiciously like a pocket watch, actually. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, the sort of the the principles of um, a watch, a pocket watch in this case, sort of they lend themselves to one particular design of movement. You can fit it into a nice circular case, um, and even though this is a piece of you know highly advanced military equipment. Yeah. It, it is it is exactly the same pattern right yeah um, i'm john maddening the word movement in because the <laughs> movement is the that that's the that, what is the movement of a timepiece so 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 the movement is the collection of gears and springs and wheels that are moving along in behind the dial of that watch um essentially the, the way this works uh the way any sort of like mechanical watch works prior to the advent of the automatic movement is you wind it up uh with a key or with a like a crown on a stem um and then that winds up a spring it puts tension on that spring that spring sort of unwinds at a constant rate that's fed through and a sort of an escapement um that then advances a series of gears and then those turn the individual hands so Um, so kind of all this gubbins but but yes. this is this is these are this is the movement all this yeah, yeah absolutely it's it, if you sort of made that much smaller you fit it into a sort of a circular footprint and then you just compressed it right down um that that's basically the same thing that's going on yeah it's um okay so, and 
this will be relevant, folks. Keep that keep that noted in your copybooks. Um, so <laughs> there will be a po- test. There will be a test. Uh, talking of uh, pocket watches, well, we're going to talk about quite a few because uh, I went crazy on Google Image Search and found a lot of very nice looking pocket watches, and we are now going Perfectly to understandable. Ins- to do it. Yeah, <laughs> we're now going to inspect them. I might even in the post in post production add some nice gentle um, like uh, daytime television music behind us while we look at these. But nice. these there's some there's some nice watches that we're about to pop. So. Um, tell it of these various watches that we're going to put mm. up. Um, I think this. I think we bring this one up again later, actually. But I just, yes, I, it's do. a nice picture. Um, this is this is this is a, a a ball railroad specification pocket watch, and this is sort of what we're driving towards with the rest of these. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so keep this again. Put that in your copybook. Yeah, this is something that has to be developed, and it's developed from these things that we're going to look at. Yes. So. Um, so we've got this one here, which it says the word railway on it. This is a Hamilton mm-hmm. Railway Special. Um, yeah, I've got my safety dial on there too. Oh yeah, it does. Oh yeah, this, this is all the themes that we're going to touch on safety dials That's momentarily right. as well. All the themes, all the things that I've disorderedly put these pile of Google's image search. Uh, it's it's foreshadowing, folks. It's a de- yeah, it's deliberate foreshadowing and not bad production quality. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, it looks no, nice this though. Is, this, this is, is like nice. a sort of slightly more advanced form of the previous one. Um, <laughs> It's it, like everything about this. The, the, the just the. I mean, this looks like it's riveting. Useful, yeah. This looks like kind of brazed riveting in the in the in the in the. Yeah, I'm not sure. Place. I I think that's just ornamental. Oh, really? Uh, it's, it's nice. So. Mm. It's nice, and and the the text. I mean, the the that kind of typeface is is wild. The more I look at it, the more it's absolutely bonkers. I love it. It's yeah, and this 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 will have been enamel too. I think, uh, just literally like painted onto enamel. Mm. Uh, that's lovely. So mm. um. I should we should have rated these out of an uh, we should have decided to rate these. This one looks this one is very old. So this to this read is this mark mark market market did, no did did cut did, did cut? cuts oh hmm. that'll be it yeah so that sounds to me like Great Western Railway to be honest um, ah. so this is a GWR made or or certainly made for for the GWR by is... uh, Benetty something or other and company. This is this is this is ancient. If it winds with that key, because I, yeah, it must yeah, do. Because I, 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 if you look at the the top above the twelve o'clock position, normally what you have on a pocket watch is uh, a crown, a sort of a rotating piece that you can wind yeah, up. Yeah, like this one that we saw here. This. this yeah, here. exactly. Yeah. Um, but sort of that 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 was a later invention. Before that, you had to wind any watch or clock with a little key that you just kept on you. So I think that just sort of plugs into the right hand side. Oof. Of the um of of the top there, and you wind it up with the key. Oh my goodness! Delightful. I love this big sort of handle yeah, on it. Yeah, this is nice. This is it. I, I I like this a lot actually. I do have a pocket watch somewhere in this that my brother bought me. It's I I think uh, sorry Bryn. I think it's like a fake one. That's just a, like a fairly bog standard one that there's someone's etched GWR in a kind of a nondescript serif font. Which it, it, it's it's hard nice, to tell. But, it's hard yeah. to tell because like it's a lot of. A lot of sort of early rail Mero pocket watches, and especially a lot of British ones, are workaday, right? They're they're, yeah. they're tool watches certainly, but you could produce pocket watches very very quickly um, by the sort of end of the nineteenth century. They weren't very reliable. They were very fragile too. Mm, like okay. if you if you if you dropped your watch, it was like dead. It's gone. But you could buy one for a dollar in <laughs> 1890s money, which is you know more than it sounds now, but still not a huge expense. Yeah, like maybe um, a week or two of salary, maybe, is that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, like, American in particular, American companies were producing millions, literally millions of these. And, uh, you know, as antiques, they're sort of fairly 
you know, poorly regarded. They don't hold a lot of value. A lot, a lot of the time, um, you'll see sort of Edwardian Victorian pocket watches just being melted down because you know the value of the gold in the case it's is more as yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, crikey. Um, but this is this is nice. I like this. I like this. This one looks like it's it's put some work in, which is also nice. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, so then this one, this is also another one. That, again, it's got railway written on it. This one is made by um, it's made by someone from Liverpool, which is which is nice. I see the word Liverpool, and it's got a German dude on it. Apparently, hmm. I don't know. I, I don't really know much right. about this guy other than it says there's a German dude etched onto just the so you could, Just in case you want to like look at a German guy. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, why not? This just is, carry him around with you all day. This, this again. I mean, the 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 numerals are almost impossible to read. Very, very thin. Yes. Very thin. Um, but it's very nice. small chapter ring, which is the ring around the outside that shows you what the minutes are. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. This bit here. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I think this winds with a key. Also, the other thing about this um, is that this has has a lid. Right. You have to open mm. it to look at it. Yeah. This um, this is not something that you see on on, on the first couple of of watches that we looked at. Um, in the interests of sort of legibility and practicality that just was dispensed with relatively quickly mm. um and so you know y you see these you know to this day if you, you can still buy a pocket watch that has these um mm. but those are sort of civilian if you like there's you know you want to have the affectation of like taking out your your little pocket watch and Ooh, you know wait a minute. i'm going big face for this one the... look at this the, the, oh there it is that is nice yeah. But you you get to have the little sort of precise little motion of like opening it up and like closing it again, whereas you don't want that for a watch that you're you know checking a lot at work. Yeah, um, if if you're for example a signaler and you're running a railway, literally using time to make sure yeah. that trains are moving safely on that railway, you don't want to faff with um, that little sort of affectation. It costs you half a second, which yeah, exactly. is yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, more foreshadowing, folks. Anyway, mm. um. What next? Oh, there's so so there's an emergency, but these are all very nice. This one again, I quite like the fact that, that you can see that these have been hand painted. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Again, there's a one... lot of artifice in these, even yes, though they're sort of yeah. work tools. Um, this, this it's it's got this 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 sort of finishing on the this sort of um, finishing on the on the actual casing, which is very nice. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, care has yeah, gone into it's... this. I mean, I say care has gone into it, but as you say, actually, it's mass produced. So it's mm -hmm. so there's, there's it's interesting that they they still want their t them to feel still, like they're a quality. Yeah, product. there's 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 ornamental uh, stuff in there, which yeah. you wouldn't necessarily expect for something that's like issued for a practical purpose. Yeah. Um, yeah, there it is. That's a nice one. And then, uh, and then this one, possibly my favorite of all of the ones we've looked. Oh, that's at. very nice. It's, it's bold. It it's very bold. And that it's um yeah, it's quite. It's quite, there's quite a vibe going on with this one. The mm. um, the the typeface is is very nice. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, it's just, absolutely. That, that's really nice. I like it. Um, however, as we previously foreshadowed, <laughs> yeah, an engineering disaster, a legitimate engineering disaster, yeah. uh, and we have to bring some railways into this railway watch stuff by talking about um, time based signalling and train orders and why would you run a railway oh like this? Oh my um, God. So. I'm going to need you to correct me because I don't know a fraction of what you know about this. But my understanding is, until the advent of putting up actual signals, you know, stop, go, block-based signaling, you can drive down this bit of track or you can't, the The way that you ran a railway was uh, you get to this station, someone hands you a piece of paper from a signaler that says, be at this point <laughs> at this time. Um, 
and you know if you meet another train you have to like pull into a siding or whatever and let them pass you or whatever but it's all done entirely through time yeah no that's that's pretty and, and when we get to the end of the discussion about this particular um it shouldn't be like that mm. i have interesting observations to make about this in relation to modern it's super modern signaling so we'll get to that but that yes nice. that is that's a, for for a very long time that was how trains moved around like mm. we uh, it, i was last episode i was moaning about grant shaps talking about victorian signaling well basically victorian signaling is what you just described like semaphore yeah. signaling and stuff appeared quite late on relatively speaking Sure. I mean, we're talking about like, if we're talking about the United States, back half of the 19th century, so 1850 through to 1900, um, just every few years, there's some train disaster yeah. where um, someone's watch stops, someone's watch is off, and it kills, you know, half a dozen people, maybe. Um, I, I have a little list here, and it's literally like, you know, an engineer's watch is two and a half minutes slow, therefore, you know, two trains collide and four people are killed. Yeah, just um, you know, regular stuff, you know, it's fine. Um, yes. Table yeah. stakes, if you like. Uh, until 1891, April 18th, 1891 specifically, um, on the Lakeshore and Michigan Southern Railway, uh, where outside of Cleveland, Ohio, there is, there, there's this train, uh, the Toledo Express, uh, which is which is heading west, and they're given orders, pull into the siding so that the, the fast mail train behind you can pass you. Um, but because it's time-based, it's literally, from the moment I hand you this piece of paper, you have 30 minutes to be in this siding, otherwise the mail train will run into the back of you. Um, which is all well and good. They, they, like, they have sort of the, the facility to do that. If the train breaks down, you just send the guard to walk backwards with a flag <laughs> and, and you just hope that that gives you enough protection. Um, but what has happened at this point is that uh, the engineer has sort of, his watch has either wound down or he has like let it sort of uh, slip out of time and it has lost four and a half minutes, oh, which means he thinks that he has, um, you know, 11 and a half minutes to get to the siding. He actually has seven. Um, and so he he can't make it into the siding in time, and just as just as we said, that this mail train runs directly into the back, kills a bunch of people. Um, see, it's like both engineers, the the firemen on the train that can't get out of the way, and six postal clerks, uh, and it's absolute as you can see, absolute sort of wreckage. Oh yeah, these uh, things are all like uh, just made of like matchwood. Uh, and everything yeah. just disintegrates. If you it's want a match with gas lamps. Yeah, what well, is the, 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 there? There is a well. There's your problem podcast episode, which neatly mm. describes what happens in uh, crashes like this. Is it the Ashtabula disaster? Yes. Yes. Oh my god, just horror show. But that's what this sort of crash looked like because everything was just made. To, it's almost as if it was actively designed to form a high temperature conflagration. Like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, fire, matchwood all bad just absolute sort of you know people being crushed between objects and stuff um but so that this leads the the lakeshore in michigan to you know decide that okay maybe we need someone to investigate this 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 time situation and here we have to talk about a guy a guy with a fantastic name oh. uh talk about a, a cleveland-based jeweler called webb c ball Web uh, C. Ball. Wow. Web C. Ball. His, his full name is Webster Clayball. 
Uh, <laughs> he, which, uh, maybe he didn't like the clay. Um, <laughs> but but they, they, they find this guy Web Ball, and they give him an incredible job title. They make him Chief Time Inspector. Um, and, and what he does is he systematizes um, like how time should work on an American railway. I, I think we have some slides of sort of what what his what his uh, standards result in. Yes, right. So let us do precisely that. It's it's interesting that so let us jump to an American <laughs> Railroad watch. Here we sure. have. Here it is. Here is the one that we teased earlier. Yes. Um, yes. So tell us what's different about this watch compared to the other ones that we were looking at. So it's it's intended to be more robust in a lot oh, of actually, ways. I also have another picture there. This one here. Ah, of the movement. Of Perfect. The movement. Uh, so it, again, it's quite an ornamented movement. If you look at the sort of the the writing on there, you can see it's a railway official standard. Um, but so some of the things I want to draw your attention to: uh, very big, sort of black on white, very easily readable dial, yeah. which is one of the things. It has to have individual minutes demarcated. Yeah. It has to have a second dial, um, yeah. and the other big thing is. If you notice the lever above the one o'clock position. Ah, this thing here, yeah. Yes. So this is, we're past the era of winding a watch with a key. You normally wind it with a crown, and you have to keep this wound via the crown. But you can't adjust it using the crown. It doesn't pull out so you can adjust the time. Instead, this lever would be under one of those sort of like beautiful ornamental bezels that we saw earlier. It would be like physically put under there. You'd have to pry that off. So if you wanted to adjust the time, you had to open it up and like use this lever to do it. Um, this watch was not intended to be adjusted uh, just on the fly in the field by the person carrying it. Uh, it's intended to be synchronized with a master clock at a station. And one of the things that, that uh, Webball does is he, he, he creates this sort of like time monopoly. He creates a, a, a time service, right? As a, a company that will contract your railway it will supply watches it will supply clocks it will synchronize them every two weeks it will service them every six months um the watches themselves are mostly coming out of uh like employees pay you, you would have to pay for this um like if, if you lost it if, if it was being repaired you would have to get a loaner that you would also that would be like numbered so you couldn't you know lose track of that um but so start to finish this is something that can be sort of controlled by a time service. Some of the bigger railways had their own it and did this in-house, but a lot of them just contracted to this guy, Ball. Um, and one of the things is he would design and he would source pocket watches for them. Um, and these were, you know, the American manufacturing industry was still sort of in its infancy when this happened. So a lot of these were initially Swiss movements. And then uh, okay, yeah. later on, they sort of became more domestic ones. But you can see on the um, on the back of the movement, um, it says adjusted five positions. Ah, um, yeah, adjusted five positions. There we go. Yeah. So uh, a mechanical watch will, uh, like, friction will act on it, and it will like tell the time slightly differently based on what position you're carrying it in. Whether it's like uh, sort of dial up, whether you're carrying it vertically, whether you're carrying it on its face, um, that actually has an effect on, like, a very minuscule effect, but it has an effect on the time that it tells so this this means that it has been like uh it, it's been designed to 
sort of remain asynchronous. It's been designed to like keep uh... telling a consistent time, regardless of what position you carry it in. So like, a, does a little wheel drop or something to ensure that it's just something in there I'm to make actually, sure that the movement actually continues? I'm not actually sure how you accomplish this technically. Um, it's quite, quite impressive. Yeah, it, it's it's adjusted to like a range of climates as well. Ooh. Um, and, and there are certain sort of technological innovations that it has to have also. It has to have uh, certain parts have to be made of steel or made of gold. Um, it has to have this uh, sort of like an overcoiled mainspring, which is something that had been sort of relatively recently invented in France at this time. Uh, and all of this amounted to uh, a, a pocket watch that is intended to stay very accurate over very long periods of time. Um, and you know, to be to be read often, adjusted seldom, uh, and in fact, you can like you can take this down the line. You can synchronize um, like a station's clock off of this because it's giving you the correct yeah, time yeah. for that railway. A bit like the picture that was at the start of the episode. There, Absolutely, they, they have that that standardization. It's in, did you say what what year was it? Did you say it was eighteen ninety? Ninety one. Yes. Ninety one. So it's interesting that this it's interesting that this happened in in, in eighteen ninety one because hmm. it was um eighteen eighty nine that that Britain uh, 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 that um Britain and Ireland uh, as as a collective had our kind of big oh shit we should do something about signaling and and trains crashing into each other it's quite interesting that they happened kind of un disconnected but happened about the same time that was the armar rail disaster when uh it was a train full of uh, children ran away and smashed into another one and murdered lots of children um which so always always goes down well in parliament was was the uh was the british response to that to do like block signaling it was yes it so there's, the... a, there's a point of divergence there and that the the americans or a lot of american railways are like what we have to do is we have to make time signaling work better and yep. have less of a margin of error. Whereas in the UK, we were like, we need to... The Armour crash gave us um, lock, uh, block, and brake. So hmm. it, weirdly, until 1889, not all trains had to have brakes. So uh, wow. that, that was that was good. Um, uh, the, the block is about signal block. So it's mm. about actually uh, having blocks that trains couldn't enter and leave. So we kind of pursued signaling that way. And then um, the lock was about interlocking. It was about um, ensuring that you had like sufficient to, to make sure you couldn't trains couldn't you know, enter in sections that uh, and signaling was kind of locked together. It's it's um, yeah lock mm. lock and break. It's interesting interesting um, yeah mm. in, interesting divergence as you say. We yeah. must proceed because must. Um, this i'll get rid of my john maddening and just look at this because it is very it's a very fetch that blue does look nice that, that's, oh yeah the, that's... the um the hands would be like blued steel i think this is like they're sort of specially heated very exactly Ooh. and this this became an industrialized process but it's still these days it's something that you only get on like very expensive luxury watches like if you get an uh, say an iwc or something like that 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 might have blued hands Ooh. but uh it, it's you know at the time it was just something that was expected to be done it was like you know maybe it makes the hands look a bit heavier a bit more readable but you know some of it's just there for aesthetics yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it's 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 nice so uh alluded to also in the previous selection of pocket watches was another innovation which was the montgomery safety numerical dial yes Alice. the dial the dial that almost speaks the time is the way this was marketed oh, really? <laughs> yeah uh and and the idea is that you have each individual minute uh sort of literally that sort of have a numeral for it so that you don't need to count up to five to work out which minute you're looking at um <laughs> this was hard. apparently it was it was apparently a serious concern um and again it, it just it, it speaks to the sort of um 
like I don't know, very strange direction that American American railways took, where this became extremely important that you had to be able to have a watch that you could look at and within you know a couple of seconds get the exact time because that was safety critical in a way that it already wasn't uh in the uk yeah yeah, it's it's and again this is a i think this doesn't look as good as the other one it looks a bit more cluttered but it is still it's still a very smart unit and you know you see yeah you also see in it like this is an attempt to do I'm not even sure what you would call sort of the visual equivalent of ergonomics, right? But this is something that was like really in its infancy, but making something easy to read on yeah, purpose. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you get sort of variations of this. There's a there's a Canadian dial which has um, uh, the sort of it has a 24 hour clock, but the inner hours for 13 through to 24 are on a little red inner dial. Oh, um, nice. oh, I couldn't find a picture of that one. I was hunting desperately. I just could not find a picture of it. But that's, yeah, that's, that's nice. It's, but that's that's so you have a you know you have a 24 hour clock already. Um, and so, yeah, and and this becomes sort of very very systematized and like every every railway in the United States. And in Canada, although Canada sourced like a lot more Swiss watches, they don't really care about American-made, where American <laughs> railways did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this this was also a huge boon to the American watchmaking industry, which got more and more sort of uh, advanced technically, but also got better at mass-producing stuff. Um, and it was it, it it became sort of a marketing thing as well. You know, if you want a very very accurate watch, uh, you you can buy the same sort of you know railroad specification, um, and Actually, the original specification is not that extravagant, right? It, it's got it's to have not some hugely features. robust. It's just... No, it, it it was robust for eighteen ninety one, but by the time you get into the you know nineteen tens, nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties, railroad specifications were already like you know sort of improving on that and increasing that until you ended up with some genuinely sort of very technically impressive watches. It's yeah. It's it, what's also interesting is you talk about the you talk about the kudos that comes as a marketing device of it mm. being a railroad watch, and um, and we might touch on this later. But all sure. watches nowadays, or it seems a huge number of watches nowadays, are marketed based on the association with aviation, right? Yes. And yeah. is that is that from a similar sort of thing? Is that because aviation watches had to do a similar thing? And is that yeah, what, what's absolutely. the connection with that? It's it's definitely it's definitely the case, and you see a lot of the same imperatives. I was actually just looking at. Um, because I, I, I'm like this, I was just looking at U.S. Army Air Force's uh, Master Navigational Chronograph, they called it, which is literally, it's a pocket watch. It's a pocket <laughs> watch with a black dial and white hands and white numerals. Yeah. But, um, you know, for much the same reasons as, 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 you know, our original longitude clock, if you're navigating an aircraft, you can navigate an aircraft using a pocket watch mm. and, like, um, uh, looking at the stars. Uh, like, even, you know, World War II bombers had uh, a star viewing dome for the navigators so you could stick your head up and you could like you know apply a sextant yeah, in flight yeah. in a lancaster sextants in, yeah they had sextant yeah. the raf had bomber command had sextants in there absolutely yeah, yeah weird but also yeah. kind of makes sense when you think about it yeah um, so yeah ab- absolutely aviation is is like something that's uh, at one point you needed a very very accurate uh clock now probably not so much but also, some of it's you know just a case of pilots like expensive shiny things. Also, um, that, yeah, and and pilots look cool, and so that's true. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's also a thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, go on. No, this is this is this is good because it, it leads me into uh, my my next my next thing, which is the sort of the demise 
and curious afterlife of the pocket watch. Yeah. Um, it, at no point during the, the late 19th, early 20th century, uh, well, the late 19th century, was a wristwatch considered suitable for railway use. Uh, because a wristwatch is for women. It's small, it's very yeah. delicate, it's mostly, it's jewellery first. Um, I didn't realise that. That's very interesting. Yeah, it, it was It was genuinely felt like, if you look at the movement of a pocket watch and the movement of a wristwatch, uh, a pocket watch is like, it's something that they recommend to people who want to learn watchmaking is to start on pocket watches because everything is much bigger mm. and everything is much more robust. Uh, in, in, a, in a wristwatch, to fit it onto the wrist, it has to be miniaturised. Um, and so it was felt that these were very delicate things. Um, and, and, and as we all know, women are delicate. That's just, that's right. That's, that's just right. Science, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and what changed that was the first world war. Um, you saw wristwatches okay. being because of the convenience of not having to get a pocket watch out from under a great coat. Uh, the first wristwatches for men were, ma were manufactured, were marketed as trench watches. Um, and it's, okay. it's something, it's something for officers. It's something that your, your commissioned officer has to know what time to, you know, go over the top and walk into the machine gun fire. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. you, you might even see like a, like a converted pocket watch case that's just had, uh, lugs welded onto it to put a strap through them. Um, yes. and so this is all that makes so much sense that that because because yeah before that mm. point I just I, I kind of unconscious you know without even thinking about it before sure. the first world war pocket watches are the thing you often see you often see it as yeah, a, a sort of dress you don't men through the war you know through the the kind of the, the interwar years uh watches start because that's yes yeah absolutely Ooh. um and and they sort of like prove that they can be reliable enough and uh durable enough that even men can wear a wristwatch yeah. um but Here's the thing, is that the thing that we all know and love about the railways is that they're occasionally prone to, um, I'm going to put this delicately, hostility to innovation. <laughs> um, yeah. so, so, so where, if say, take your example again, if you see a, a fictional character, you know, after the First World War or even after the Second World War, uh, wearing a pocket watch, the sort of impression that's, that conveys is you know traditionalist a bit yeah. fusty maybe yeah. set in his ways older um well railways particularly in the u.s absolutely kept by this um it, you would not approve a wristwatch for use on a railway because it was it was sort of like it was just the done thing now that if you were a railway guard if you're a railway engineer you have a pocket watch and it comes from this sort of like approved process um and this this doesn't change until the 1960s, as, as strange as that sounds, and that's that's where Ball, once again, the, the, the company, it, it was still owned by Webb C. Ball's family until the 80s. Now it's owned by like Swiss venture capitalists, I think. Oh, um, face of all things, you yeah, know. But, um, so but, the so, yeah, the Ball Trainmaster. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, what does this thing look like? Well, uh, here's an advert for it, which is looks quite interesting. incredible. Be modern. I know, right? Look the, at this. The Ball Trainmaster wristwatch. Um, and they, they they made millions of these things, but it, it, it's strange that it took them this long. Um, and even then, it wasn't universal um, that this was just an option that you could get out of your own salary, I might add. Oh, it's always uh, out of the yeah, always out yeah, of the own absolutely. salary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting. So they've got the person in the background here with the pocket watch still. Mm. They are. And then this person is, is being, they're being, being modern. modern. That's right. Being modern. You've now made me think you've now there is a book behind me hmm. uh 
and you've made me think it'll probably take me too long to sift through the pages but you've made me think what the british rail corporate identity manual because it has a picture of the mm -hmm. uniform in it i wonder if it shows a pocket watch or a i wonder Ooh. interesting something's put in post maybe I'll, I, I put it in post i'll tweet I'll, I'll have a look through and i'll tweet you the image to see if there's an obvious timepiece within the but that's quite interesting anyway this advert yeah. is great and it's advertising what is let's face it quite a fetching it's very uh, nice. Time piece. It's it, nice it is very nice and it's uh, still got this ball official standard it's still got this <laughs> uh this sort of little uh, crest in it. it's nice so they've gone back to Swiss made. Um, there's some more sort of technical oh, yeah. things that have come in, like um, when they started using diesel locomotives. You know, your watch has to be has all the components have to be like anti-magnetic, so it's not thrown <laughs> off by the by the locomotive. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. This is and and they made these through to at least the 70s. The case shape changed. They had this sort of very like very 70s cushion case where it was like flat around the edges, like it had been squished. Um, but yeah, this this sort of by this point, this had become less and less important because obviously the Americans had developed their own block signaling at this point. But a lot of these a lot of these regulations and a lot of even the the timekeeping services just sort of kept on. Um, even as the sort of the drive became more about um, sort of precision in terms of passenger timetables yeah, rather yeah. than signaling, a lot of these just sort of held on institutionally, and that's the thing I, I always like. I always get really interested in, in big institutions where you just these niches get carved out and then they just stay there. Yeah, they just stay absolutely. It's it's yeah. it's it is, it, yeah. And, and we'll come on, on when we get to the end. We'll come back to this and we'll come back to we'll come back to signaling and time because I think it'll be might be interesting to sort of look look back at the yeah, way that time is, is critical. Um, but but yeah, this this is it is a nice watch. It, it's it's my kind of watch as well actually because I quite like mm. a thin. I quite like a small, neat little uh, petite little watch. Uh, yeah, it's definitely. My, it's my uh, that is my kind of favorite style. And this one is nice. Again, I like the typeface as well. It's quite that four is. Uh, it's got. Ooh, it's, the, yeah, this no, that's it's very striking. It's very nice. Very mm. nice indeed. Um, now, by contrast, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have to, we have to go across the Atlantic, and <laughs> we we have to say that. Uh, the, the sort of the railroad watch, largely an American or at least North American phenomenon. Yeah. Um, uh, honestly, partly because British railways developed block signaling and adopted it much earlier, it became much less important. Um, and so, you know, you'll see pocket watches engraved with like GWR or, you know, London and Midlands or whatever, but they're sort of just ordinary off the shelf. Uh, there's nothing yeah. special about them. They're just, you know, resolutely ordinary commercial watches and so as we go through into into modernity and we get into internationalization we have to talk about the watches that british rail issued and one one interesting fact about this is that for a long time uh trained drivers in the united kingdom were not issued a watch the position of uh like the railway and even british rail was you don't need one the guard needs one it's a passenger convenience. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not relevant to the operation of the, the exactly. actual railway, which is which if, I if anything, is true, you know. If anything, it's a distraction. Yeah. Um, the, I, I, I got deep into the research for this, and I found uh, some forum thread somewhere. Right. I, I have no idea if this is true, but the story is that British Rail finally got persuaded to start issuing drivers watches because if you were late enough driving a British Rail train, you had to fill in a little sort of like explain yourself slip right <laughs> yeah. which had a field for time arrived and drivers kept writing in guard has the watch ask him. <laughs> which 
I don't know if that's true, but I like that story a great deal. It, whether tr whether it's apocryphal or not, that is a typical yes. sort of story that sounds very familiar. I like that. I it's something like you, that. you you would hear told. Yes, yeah, precisely. Um, and so, what of this British Rail Timex? Was this a was this a fine watch? Well, um, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. It's 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 easy to read. It's, yeah, I guess it's. it's it's I'm, just just absolutely mm -hmm. basic yeah i i was i was shocked by this because <laughs> i i expected to find at the very least like a little bit of british rail branding yeah, on the exactly. dial or and something if, that would be nice. if it had a little double, double arrow, arrow here that would yeah. be nice but Fine. no it doesn't no it yeah. doesn't uh <laughs> apparently before this they used the british company smiths uh, you'll see occasionally yeah. for sale, um, like, if you got the gold watch for, like, 30 years of service or whatever, that was, like, a goldsmith's watch. Um, but then, you know, by the time we get into the 60s, uh, quartz comes in and you get much, much more accurate quartz watches. Uh, like, uh, a mechanical watch, you might lose, you know, a second a day. So that's not unusual. Mm. Uh, a quartz watch, you're losing, like, a second a month. It's, oh, wow. it's like, it's literally... An yeah, it's an order of magnitude of difference in accuracy. Uh, and so, you know, the, the railways adopt these. Um, of course, we know British Rail, very, very good at sticking to its timetables, you know, so <laughs> it really needed that sort of, like, precision <laughs> second. <laughs> oh, yeah, glorious. And I, 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 it's just mm. it's just a Timex. It's just a regular, just, just a regular Timex. Timex. I, yeah. I, I heard another story in same forum thread. So, you know, I, I literally just, I you know, went to old railway employees telling stories kind of dot com or whatever <laughs> uh which is that when the guards got issued these new quartz watches for a while at king's cross they would just instantly sell them claim they lost them <laughs> get issued a new one and just sort of you know it's a few quid each time but you get some money out of british rail doing this yeah, yeah it pays for a couple of lunches yeah exactly, exactly. yeah yeah um the, the thing is i i quite like this actually the quartz it's, it's the weird c thing this little like wave thing under the quartz is a bit naff if they got rid yeah. of that this would look even nicer um it's actually it's quite bad. nice. I quite like it. Yeah. It's yeah, it's simple. It's, yeah. I'm a simple it's, guy, you know. What can I say? It's all, it's all you need, and you know the, the American railroads in particular that I've looked at that still have uh, watch speci specifications. The standards have gotten looser rather than tighter because they're not as important. Yeah. So like Union Pacific, all they say is you have to have a watch has to be accurate to within thirty seconds, which is nothing. You barely even have to look at it. Yeah. Uh, you have a clock in the cab anyway, if you need it, which you don't. Um, exactly. and, and and so much the same with this. Um, it, it just it's just there. It's a passenger convenience. It's not even much of a convenience. Um, and you know, it, it's just so. There's this real cultural difference in that. I don't think anyone in British Rail or any of its successors or even necessarily predecessors really just cared that much. They didn't really have any reason to. You know, it's a watch. It tells the time. It's totally yeah. unsentimental. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like, yeah, they were all. If you had a sentimental timepiece, it, it it would be for as you say, like your years of service watch. You yeah, might exactly. get a, a nice. But in terms of the functionality of the railway, less so. I wonder to what extent that's related to um, signalling and related to the, as, as you kind of hmm. alluded to earlier, the, the way that signalling worked in in, in the UK and, and and Europe. Actually, it's it's interesting. So. We go from the British Rail Timex uh, as it as it is 
indie glow, lovely. Two, yanked um, into modernity. Yanked into modernity with a watch that I, I'm going to just, well, in fact, I jump. So the mundane Swiss railway watch, mm-hmm. well, here, here, here is a slightly not as nice resolution image though, that I thought it was. Um, and, but Still also, nice. uh, it's this, 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 this thing. Yes. As recommended by you for me to, the, the, the thing that instigated this entire thing. Yeah, Absolutely. It's nice. It's yeah. like I'll hold it upside down because I can't twist my arm for that. It doesn't work like that. But um, yeah, there is. It's nice. It's a nice watch. Yeah. It's um, and I it's, can't get it to focus, but there we are. There it is. It's nice. It, it, it's an interesting sort of moment in uh, so so the Swiss Railways. Uh, I think it's is it SFF or CFF, whatever. Anyway, they, it's they, three. They... It's FFS. It's CFF and it's SBB. It's the whole yeah. works because they're greedy. It didn't even get one in Romanche. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> so, yeah, so they went to the the watchmaker Mondain uh, and said, essentially, do all of our time. In much the same way <laughs> as the you know the Lakeshore and Southern went to Web Ball, um, but this is this is for a sort of a again, it's 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 a passenger convenience. All the clocks in Swiss railway stations look like this. Uh, they have this weird feature, some of them, where it, like it holds over on the sixty second mark for one second and then jumps to one which i don't um, think mine does that because i've been looking at it but then i can never be sure whether because for me time whether it's adhd or whatever it is time looks like this i'm looking at this thing and it's warping slower and faster oh, anyway so, so yeah the second you look at a watch face it jumps all over the place <laughs> yeah, exactly but yeah no it's it that's purely an affectation uh no matter how strict switzerland thinks it may or may not be with its timetables this is it's a branding exercise, yeah. first and foremost, yeah. uh, and it, it's a branding exercise that allows Mondain to then go and sell this watch, which is a very nice watch, like, you're not getting robbed off of this, but it allows them to go and say, you know, you know, buy this, buy this Swiss watch, Swiss precision, uh, it's, it's precise like the trains, they both run on time. Yeah, exactly, um, and it means I have a watch with a railway company logo in it, which yeah, yeah, makes, exactly. makes me, an idiot, quite happy. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. You can buy you can buy a ball watch now, but as we said in the eighties, it was taken over by venture capitalists. The the original like they'll make you a watch. They they use a lot of um, uh, tritium still um, in, in a safe way, so that your watch like most modern watches use luminova, which you know glows in the dark, but uh, they they use tritium, which like doesn't require exposure to sunlight, which is very nice. They have like a like a sort of rainbow. Yeah, I mean it's 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 mildly radioactive, but also well, in a way that isn't too that's not too harmful. Yes, very very expensive, and this is this is the thing that I'm getting at is that, albeit pitched at different levels, both the mundane watch and your modern ball watch are luxury goods. Yeah. Um, it's something that you buy because you, you you know you deserve a treat, you want to feel nice, you want to look at something nice. Um, but it is, you know, the the function follows the form rather yeah. than the other way around. Yeah. Um, and this is, I would argue, this is a success story, right? We you don't yeah. need a, a very precise instrument to calculate whether or not a mail train is going to run into the back of your train anymore, uh, because we yeah, have like advanced <laughs> yeah. safety systems to the point where it it can just be a stylistic thing, it can just be a fashion thing, it can just be something on the passenger side, which I've been sort of deriding a little bit, but perhaps I shouldn't be because it's you know. It's nice to have a nice experience as a passenger on a railway. It's nice to be able to look at uh, a, a clock in a railway station and think, oh, some care has gone into that. Someone has, like, designed this for me to look at. Yeah, um, and, we've, and we've not even touched on physical clocks. I don't think it's a, it's a, a oh, topic no. for another day. But in terms of watches, so, you're, you're right. It's a, it's a nice... That is a nice arc in terms of 
the the fact that they have become a luxury good is mm. certainly from a railway perspective um it's 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 a ni- it's nice that we've moved on to the point where safety does not rely on this this one uh, yes. fallible device it's yeah absolutely you know, um but we are not finished yet because one more thing there is one more thing to talk about, uh, and and this is I, I have I have titled this small chapter an opportunity for greatness. That's because... right, a small a small soliloquy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. If, if, if anyone is out there who owns the intellectual property of a much benighted, much <laughs> abused little company called Network Southeast, here that here it is. Here is their With timepiece. Oh. The pigeon spikes on yeah. the top. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, uh, necessary feature. There are still like. Two of these in operation at I want to say Cannon Street. I think it it's, might I, be... I, yes, I saw them for the first mm-hmm. time. I, for the first time I've ever used this station, Cannon Street, um, and I used it uh, last weekend. Uh, they, all the time I've been in London, I've never needed to use that station. But I ended up going from London Bridge to Cannon Street and saw these and was like, "Ooh, these yeah. are nice. I like beautiful these. digital flap clock, like the big destination yes. boards." Oh yeah, so they they ripped all of these off the entire network southeast uh, like estate at the end of it being network southeast. Or I think sometime in the nineties. Apart from these two, I don't know why they kept them. Um, but yeah, to me, because Tim Tim Dunn, yeah. friend of the show, often posts the two and uh, the two of them there next to each other uh, with, with kind of a nice shot, and, and they are iconic and oh, they're beautiful. a little rare. I nice. is the thing. I think they. I think they convey sort of a very British dismalness. Yeah. Not, I, I think <laughs> yes. they're beautiful in a way that only only a British person could love. Yeah. Uh, I you know I feel very strongly about them because they were still ubiquitous when I was very young and I was just starting to get trains and I was commuting into school by train. Um, and you know their replacements, sort of. Orange and black LEDs, not going to inspire anyone. But this, this, this hideous, boxy, sort of this red phone box color thing with the like network southeast toothpaste colors yeah. underneath, I, I find it very compelling aesthetically. And so I think our, our modest proposal is let, let me buy a miniature version of one of these. Let me get a little alarm clock. Let me get a watch, anything. I'm, you know, I'm begging you. What do I have to do to get one of these things? Have it. Just having that 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 dimension, but on your wrist, could be kind of cool. I think yeah, that, it could work. Yeah, quite nice sort of rectangular. Because the thing is, I <laughs> occasionally for a while they did do estate sales, estate auctions. Um, and it's like, do you want to buy, you know, a, an exit sign from a station for two hundred and fifty quid? Which no, not really. But <laughs> occasionally they would have one of these clocks, and you know, ex- expensive as they were, having no way of powering it as I did, filthy as they would have been, and also the scale is different. Like you see it on a on the ceiling of a railway station, you don't realize this thing's about ten feet wide. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge, yeah, yeah. Even so, every time I was so tempted. To, to to get one of these i don't know what i would have done with it but oh, it I, would have pulled down any wall you hung it on it would have pulled down. yeah without those like massive sort of brackets attaching it to something yeah yeah that but... we work that you're sat in right now it would have pulled those windows right down <laughs> yeah yeah that's right yeah, yeah but right. i i i you know i think there's a gap in the market and you know whoever whoever it is that has come to own network southeast's intellectual property rights is sleeping on this. They're leaving money on the table. Absolutely. People would lap this up. I wonder who... I actually don't know who... 
I think it might still just be DFT, just wallowing around in in in, in the DFTs. Grandchaps, if if, if you're listening, yeah, um, we're sorry we made fun of you. Uh, (laughs) We'll we'll forgive you for like all of your trespasses if you either like release this IP to whoever wants it or uh, give me a fucking you know government issue, (laughs) government issue alarm clock watch, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, with this behind us, I, I my 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 kind of closing thoughts, and this is this is hopefully an interesting little tidbit for you, which is oh. we talk about um, the fact that time based signaling is sort of in the past. Well, mm-hmm. in a way, it isn't. In a way, mm-hmm. we're moving back towards that now with signaling uh, because, no. well, yes and no. So in two ways. <clears throat> so some signaling um, is based on on GPS now. Now the whole architecture of GPS relies on very, very, very accurate timekeeping. That's that's true. The so in a way, the, the in a way the most accurate clock we can possibly make is now responsible for not all but a, a few um, uh, rail operations. You know, relying on on, on GPS. Mm-hmm. But the other thing oh, is this the like rolling block thing? Yes. So moving I block see. signaling, which is a thing that has been around for ages. Um, we've had moving block signaling even in the UK for quite a while now. Uh, the Victoria Line essentially operated using it, but um, we are now rolling it out in more, um, you know, kind of more eagerly onto the main line. The East Coast Main Line will be the first um, bit of network to, to see this properly happening uh, over the next few years. We've already been trialing on bits, but that relies essentially relies on time. Uh, yes, it's relying on much more complicated calculations of train speed, and that that blocks kind of gets bigger as the train goes faster and slower as it as it um, as it gets you know smaller as the train gets slower. But that is really relying on time. It's about time. It's kind of um, uh, kind of I... um, elapsed time between trains. So we're going back. We return. We are returning to the. Past. I really hope that. Well, I mean, now we're sort of betting everything against the Kessler syndrome, right? If this is GPS based, yeah. so <laughs> thankfully, mm. most of it is. I think a lot of the ETCS systems are do rely on sort of Belize's and and, and positioning, but actually, a lot of it still, yeah, is 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 GPS and timing. So, mm. yeah, let's hope that, uh, or or is it going to be Britain's own Space Force? Brexit? Yeah, yeah. This, this is it. Space Force is going to lock us out of GPS, so are we going to be relying on, like, and we're not going to be allowed into the whatever the European one is, so is it going to be the British yeah, version of GPS yeah. that we, yeah, the British version <laughs> of GPS that we have to launch uh, to get yeah. the trains moving? So, uh, join join the Russian GLONASS system just to really <laughs> fuck things up. Yeah, yeah, just really, really to, to put everyone on edge. Um, mm. Alice, the, that's been brilliant. Thanks so much. I, I'm going oh, to my pleasure. I, I, I go big face before we do the, do the, do the closing remarks. Um, that, yeah, that's been really good. Thanks for that. I, I, it was oh, my pleasure. I, seriously, I, I was I was not sure. Well, I, I knew it was going to be fun. I can't believe I hadn't thought that you're someone who you're a lady who cares a lot about watches. That's like, sure. This is yeah, this perhaps is, too it, much. It, it it is known, uh, <laughs> and and also you. Uh, we both we both share a love, if if not like a slightly sort of sardonic love of railways mm. because they are yeah, a, a strange and wonderful uh, realm. Um, yeah. So this was an, it was a match made in heaven. Uh, thanks so absolutely. much. Absolutely, a little like a divergence into. What do you even call this? Ferro-equino-horology, right? Ferro-equino-horology. Uh, 
for all. Yes, iron horse clock studies. Yeah, ferroequinology, but ferroequinoholol. I like that a lot. That shall be. (laughs) I should have changed your. I should change your little thing down here to ferro. Uh, I'll get some business cards made up. (laughs) Ferroequinoholologist. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ah, ah, smashing. Right. So uh, it only remains really for me to firstly get rid of our faces and remember how to actually run my (laughs) own podcast. Um, uh, This is available in audio-only format for those who don't want to see anything uh then you can listen to this uh, i don't again i have no idea how well this worked in audio only form but then i say that literally every episode and hundreds of you see it on the john madden but still. yeah exactly but you know hopefully we've audio just dis- i mean we didn't do a tremendous job of audio describing everything but we we got ex- we got audibly excitable about them and hopefully that paints a picture absolutely um, yeah um uh, the usual plugs for me, patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis for Patreon. This is, it's where all the hogs live. Every podcast has a Patreon. That's just That's how right. this works. Um, thankfully, I don't have to live off mine because uh, I would very rapidly starve if I did. But that's not to say thank thank you to all of you who do support me via Patreon. Uh, paypal.me slash Gareth Dennis to throw abuse and uh, lose change at me. Um, GarethDennis.co.uk slash Discord for the Discord server <clears throat> where all of the chat that's been happening. Hello, everyone in the chat that we can't see because this isn't a live episode, but you'll be doing it anyway. Uh, hi, everyone in the chat. Uh, that continues in the Discord server. Um, the merchandise uh, is down at the moment. Uh, hello to Masket. If you're out there, if you're out there, uh, fix it. say hi. Fix, fix it. it, please. Fix it. <laughs> because I need to sell people. I need to continue my tirade of buying every MP a we need to abolish the treasury mug. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, plus you could be the sole authorised distributor for the network Southeast Clock. Yes, absolutely. And not get a cease and desist from TFL. Um, That's right. Th- Alice, you do shows. I do, so many that you're in. I do I do so many things. Uh, I, <laughs> I do uh, a podcast about engineering disasters called Well, There's Your Problem. Uh, I do uh, a show about James Bond movies that is now in its second season and is not about James Bond movies called Kill James Bond. Uh, and I do a show about technology called Trash Future. All three of those have Patreons. So if you want to, you can you can achieve a sort of rare triple crown of paying me three times for three different products. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it, it not only is possible, it is encouraged. Um, that's right. I'm also on Twitter, uh, at Alice Avazandam, uh, and... Yeah, I think that's everything I do. I, so. I think I think the overlap in audience between uh, your empire, the the empire within which you 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 exist, and, and sure. little rail natter in the corner. I think there's a the, the Venn diagram is that there's a small circle and then there's a large circle that envelops oh. it. Um, <laughs> so I think most people will already kind of. But for just, those who just don't, on the off chance, yeah, on the off chance for those who you don't know who Alice is, you can find out more about Alice by uh, listening to uh, these three. Kill James Bond uh, is excellent, by the way. Everyone should go, if you have. I'm imagining like Kill James Bond might be the one that people who listen to this haven't listened to because it's maybe a little further outside of the you know, it's sure. not the, go and yeah. listen to it it's tremendous fun um, Thanks so it's, much. it's very very good I did the thing where I um, binged it in a very short space of time and then no I, I did but I, what I did was cleverly Dina and I decided to start watching the James Bond films in, in order and See, sequentially that's, that's what you want to do make a project of it yes. start watching Doctor No and then listen along so we binged the films and then I would on my way to work the day after would listen to uh kjb on the way to work and back and then would have the episode done and then I'd, and then i'd watch the next one and it was always very funny because it was fresh in my mind which meant that all the references landed wonderfully um oh it was good it was good oh, fantastic 
Um, strong recommend to all of these things. Uh, Thanks so ne- much, and yeah. thank you for having me on. No, it, it's a pleasure. Uh, next week uh, is going to be live again. Uh, this is next week in the time sphere that, that Alice and I are not existing in yet, but right. will do eventually. Uh, episode 124. I just thought 123 is also the number that you dial if you wanted the talking clock, wasn't it? Oh, God, oh, yeah. Just, oh, nice. Hmm. Anyway, all the, the one, two, three references. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very nice v2000 though yes exactly we are yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, trains in uh, the scandylands uh, scandinavia dominic hind is going to be joining us and we're going to talk about railways and modernity uh, next week there'll be a live one with dom uh, dominic joining us that should be fun um yeah uh let's go back to how do i normally end this thing well i'd, I'd go here and then i go alice yeah an absolute pleasure to have you on oh um, pleasure's all mine believe me i i i just yeah it's um uh, so much fun uh we will uh, i will post on twitter what the whether there are any watches referenced in the corporate identity manual it's above Fantastic. my head uh and um and i will see all of you who are watching uh next week uh, bye it only remains for us to say cheerio cheerio bye bye